Hi there, I'm Tom Bob Netterman. Yeah, woo, girl. I was born Thomas Robert Netterman. Uh, did a lot of growing up in Texas where everybody's middle name is Bob. Billy Bob, Joe Bob, Bob Bob, Tom Bob. It didn't start until I got here into Chicago, and it was just kind of a joke. Tom Bob, hey, Tom Bob, and just kind of stuck. And so you don't forget that name, do you? Tom Bob. It's like Tom Bob? Okay. Oh, Lord. So uh, I look out at this audience, and I see nothing but love. I feel so loved. I have been feeling that all week, the last couple of weeks, the last two and a half weeks as I've been knowing that I'm going to come up here today. And I've gotten so many texts from people just wishing me well and loving me up, so much support. And I'll tell you, it's that love that transforms me. It's the love that transforms you. I am a living, breathing, walking testimony of the transformation of love. All right? It hasn't always been that way. Back in 1959, somewhere around thereabouts, my mom, 17 years old, Bonnie Sue Netterman, uh, met uh, Hugh Robert Holmes, and uh, they got it on in the back seat of a 57 Chevy. Nine months later, out popped me. And uh, I'll tell you, during that time in the womb, when my mom realized that she was pregnant, there was horror. There was shame. This was back in the 60s. You know, you didn't get pregnant when you weren't married. You didn't get pregnant in, in high school. It was a huge deal. You know, today it's like, oh, you're going to have a baby. Great. You know, and everybody chips in and, and we love it. But I'll tell you what, I came out of that womb feeling ashamed, feeling like I didn't have a right to be on this planet, feeling like I was one big mistake. And I did everything in my power for pretty much for, the, uh, for most of my adult years, probably for the next 40-some-odd, 45-some-odd years, proving that I was a mistake, proving that I was, uh, you know, shameful. I had to, this need to justify my existence on this planet. And, um, and then, you know, it occurred to me, it's like, you know what? I wasn't born in shame. That's not true. My mom and my, and my uh, father at that time were, were in love. There was desire and passion and lust. And then I spent the rest of my adult years proving that too. <laughs> oh, Lord, oh, mercy. I'm telling you what. You know, I remember back in the day, Walt Chamberlain, that basketball player, that's all I know about him, big old guy. And there was this news, news clip or something that came out where he was boasting that he had had like 500 sexual partners. Yeah, whatever. I got, he's got nothing on me, baby. I spent year after year after year being sexually compulsive. And then I raised the stakes and added drugs and alcohol and what to the picture just to heighten the experience. And, uh, you know, uh, I got to tell you, it wasn't pretty. Fast forward, uh, fast forward to um, a time, uh, 
not too long ago, probably, what, six years ago, something like that, five years ago? I don't know. Somewhere around there. Uh, I landed myself in jail. I uh, was, uh, had been uh, staying with Mark and Patrick. And, um, well, let me back up a little bit. Uh, so, so the, the deal is, is I spent this time justifying my existence and proving it, you know, through compulsive behaviors, addictive behaviors. You know, basically, I was running from the truth of who I was. I was running from me. Um, and I remember, I remember back in Georgia where we lived at the time, uh, there was this couple down the street, Miss Betty and Mr. Paul. And they used to talk about the Holy Spirit. Talk about the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, come to the Holy Spirit, singing in the Holy Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit. And they were just these happy, this happy little elderly couple. And I decided I wanted that Holy Spirit. There was this yearning inside me, even then, at it was like fourth grade, that uh, I needed something to fix me, something to to make me whole, some kind of hero to come in and swoop in and and make everything okay. And I thought that was going to be the Holy Spirit. And so Miss Betty took me into the living room or the parlor, as she called it, and she laid hands on me and began praying for me. Well, all of a sudden, I just started weeping, just crying uncontrollably, sobbing. And at the same time, there was this big old smile upon my face as she called, about, called forth the Holy Spirit. So I went home that afternoon or that evening, whatever, thinking, okay, the Holy Spirit's going to fix me. The Holy Spirit's going to make everything all right. And I will tell you that that's the beginning of when I started relating to God or to the Holy Spirit uh, as this, this being, this entity that would fix me. It was my hero. <sighs> there's, a, uh, there's a quote that I love from Rumi. Today's a Rumi Sunday uh, that I love Rumi. There's nothing more romantic than, than Rumi. As I searched and searched and searched, looking for this thing called God and looking for the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, it's like... I, looking for something to fix me. It was so difficult to find. And this quote that I love from Rumi says, you wander from room to room, hunting for the diamond necklace that is already around your neck. Yeah, so you get it. The Holy Spirit, God is already around my neck. It was already within me, except I didn't know it at the time. So I spent many years looking for something outside myself to fix me, and that came in the, in the relationship of, of, uh, to drugs and alcohol and compulsive sexual behavior and, you know, uh, you know, anything you could be addicted to, I was addicted to it, suffice it to say. So now, fast forward, uh, I landed myself in jail, and uh, throughout these years, I had been just wailing and raging and praising, coming at God every way I thought I could come at it, you know, to fix me, to take this stuff away from me, to, to make me okay. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there in jail. Uh, it was uh, drug-related charges, uh, you know, sitting there thinking, okay, God, I've said everything I need to say. There's not much else to say. If you don't get it by now, well, I don't know, maybe you're retarded or something. There must be something wrong with you. 
And uh, so I uh, was sitting there in this jail cell. It was about, a, I don't know, eight feet by five feet, two steel, steel beds and a little steel toilet and a sink and a cubbyhole out the door. And uh, uh, they, we were in the cell like 18 hours a day. And three hours in the morning, they would let us out and then you know, into the, the common area. And then uh, we were back in, and then three hours in the evening. Well, here I am sitting there in that cell, and I'm thinking, God, I don't even know what else to say. In fact, I don't have anything to say. I've said it all. There's nothing more to say. But what I was willing to do was just to sit with God in that moment. I'll, I'll sit here. I kind of thought it's kind of like that story in the Bible where Jesus is in the crowd and they're all trying to get to him to get healed and to get fixed and all this kind of stuff. And there's this one woman that just thinks, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be okay. And indeed, that's what she did. She touched the hem and uh, Jesus felt this power go out of him. And uh, he turns around and he says, oh, uh, who was that? Who did that? And the woman, you know, it was me. And she says, it says, woman, your faith has made you whole. So I had this idea that if I could just touch the hem of God's garment, if I could just be in God's presence, I'll be okay. I had nothing to say. So I sat there. Hour after hour, day after day. I was in the, I was in the big house a fair amount of time. Uh, Long enough to lose this belly that I've got right now. And, um, you know, and it got to the point where when they went out and let us out in the morning for, you know, the morning break out into the, the yard, I stayed in. Once you, you, you could either come or go, but you couldn't come and go. So once they shut the door, I'm locked in there all by myself for three hours, and that was the time I took care of my personal business because there wasn't anybody else to see. Oh, Lord. And uh, I would pray. I would Actually, I would meditate. I guess that's what it was. I don't know what I called it at the time. I just would sit with God, just be there, and uh, just be in its presence. And I thought, well, God, if you've got something to say, now would be a good time. And so I would sit. Sometimes I'd close my eyes. Sometimes I would just look at the wall. I just would just kind of be very intentionally. That's the point. Very intentionally, with great purpose, uh, in the presence of God. And nothing happened. Boy, that pissed me off. Nothing happened. Then I began to feel this rage come up in me. Nothing happened? Are you kidding me? You don't have anything to say? Well, I don't have anything to say either. And so we both sat there together in silence. And then what happened was um, at some point I, you know, I sort of heard this voice, not, you know, Tom Bob, but this, this, this feeling, this notion came over me that God said to me, he says, you know, Tom Bob, I'm not going to have a codependent relationship with you. It doesn't work like that. Now all of a sudden you need me. You want something. You need to be fixed. You need something to be changed. And now you want to be with me. <sighs> that kind of stunned me for a minute. I thought, well, God is love. Love, you know. Well, here's the thing. God said, you know, it's like we're going to have a relationship. We're going to build intimacy, and we're going to build it slowly but surely over time. We're not going to do it compulsively 
or addictively or codependently. You see, God only knows how to relate uh, in perfect love, in perfect peace, in perfect joy, in perfect harmony, whole, perfect wholeness. That's the only way God knows how to relate. It only relates at its, as itself. And so uh, it just began to relate to me as itself. I love another quote by, uh, by, by Rumi where he says that uh, silence is the language of God. All else is poor translation. Yeah. I was sitting in the silence. And the language of God began to speak to me. It began to transform me. You know what I'm saying? It began to have its way with me. I began to let it have its way with me. So here's an idea that I have. The way that we relate to God is the way we relate to each other. The way we relate to each other is the way we relate to God. You know, I can manipulate and charm the socks off of you. I can cajole you. I can fix, manage, and control you. I can make you laugh. I can make you cry. I can do all of those things, but I cannot do any of those things to God. I can't control God. I can't cajole it. I can't make it do something. All it will do with me is love. Just love. It's the only possible scenario that God has is to love us. So, I, I, you know, I've been spending all of this time relating to God as a codependent, as this thing, uh, you know, that out of need, out of help me, out of fix me, out of save me. Well, you know, our first core concept that we teach here at, at Bodhi says that God is all there is. It's the only thing happening. So, therefore, love is all there is. It's the only thing happening. Nothing wrong is happening. There is nothing to be fixed in the first place. And so as I'm relating to God to fix me, you know, I'm wondering why my prayers aren't being answered. I'm wondering why uh, things aren't changing, uh, you know, and it's because God doesn't see anything wrong in the first place. God says there's nothing to be fixed, Tom Bob. You're not needing to be fixed. I designed and created you whole, perfect, and complete, and that's the way I see you, Tom Bob. And so, you know, that's, what, that's why in jail I began to be transformed because I came to God not out of need anymore, not out of fix me, save me. I had done, was done saying all of that. All I was willing to do was just sit in the presence, just be with God and let it have its way. And so what did God do? God just loved. That's all God did was just love didn't change all of the situations and the circumstances. It just loved me. And in the end, I fell in love. I fell in love with God. It was a wonderful thing. I was sitting there, you know, I was in this, in the, uh, the medium security division there at Cook County. And because I was, uh, it was a drug-related thing, they finally transferred me to Division 14, where uh, it was kind of the 
the drug rehab area of prison. I guess they have one, you know. And you could actually come and go from your rooms into the common area. There was a TV, you know, not that I wanted to watch TV in the midst of, of all of this. Basically, usually they had cops on there. Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do when they come for you? If it wasn't that, it was the Maury Povich uh, show where you periodically you would hear, you are not the father. And then everybody, yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, he's not the father. <laughs> you know, that whole kind of a thing. Meanwhile, I'm off in the corner in my space meditating, <laughs> being with God. I got transferred to do the laundry. I was doing the laundry. And um, I would sit in that laundry room and close the door. And I just would be, my, be with my God, be with the divine. In fact, by the end, I just ran to that space of being with God. I was so in love. It, 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 was, it was like I was going out on a date. It was amazing. So um, there's another quote by, uh, by Rumi that says, I searched for God and found only myself. I searched for myself and found only God. See, that's what happened to me when I was in jail. I was searching for God, searching for, 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 for myself, and I found God, and indeed I found myself. Uh, I found out that I wasn't uh, broken. People from the congregation would write me and say, Tom, Bob, you are on an amazing journey. I, I had no idea at the time I was on an amazing journey. I just thought I was in jail, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, so I learned there in jail. This is what I learned. This is the, the bottom line here. It's like I learned that God's not a hero swooping in to fix everything, to, to, to fix us. Because, there's, again, there's nothing to fix if things get fixed, it's only because love transforms. If things change in your life, circumstances change, it's only because love transforms it. It's only because love transforms me or transforms you. What I'm talking about now is just, is just being very intentional with purpose as we approach God, as we approach this divine relationship that we have. Not approaching it out of need, not approaching it with "I want something, I need something i uh, I need fixing or or something like that, but just approaching the divine with purpose with intention, just to be in its presence, just to allow it to have its way with you, to allow it to transform so my question to you is is, are you done relating to God? Uh, out of need, out of what you perceive as brokenness, out of what you perceive as something that needs to be fixed or changed? Is it possible? What would it be like if we just related to God uh, out of just, I want to be with you? The way we relate to God is the way we relate to each other. This is what happens when I begin to relate to God just because I want to be with you Love transforms. I become more whole and perfect. I become more aware of that. And then I take that out into my external relationships. And we begin to have a whole, perfect, and complete relationship instead of a manipulative, conjoling, charming, whatever kind of relationship that we may or may not be having in life. 
what, what, whatever it is that you're experiencing. You can, it shifts as we spend time with our divine. It's really not that difficult. Uh, it's, the, it's probably the, the simplest thing to do is just sit. Sit and be. Be with God. Now, I got out of jail. I relapsed again. I went back into drugs. I did the whole thing. And you know why? Because I stopped maintaining that relationship. Like any relationship, any husband and wife, any boyfriend and girlfriend or boyfriend and boyfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend and whatever other combinations there are, you got to maintain the relationship. It doesn't just, uh, you know... Uh, withstand the test of time. You've got to maintain it and spend time with it and develop it and nurture it. And you do it with purpose, with intention, with forethought. That's just the way it works. There's a divine order in the universe. And part of that is is intentional. It's, It's about maintaining. And that's the same thing. That's what we do with God. So how are you being in your relationships with each other? How are you being in relationship with God? That's just, it's it's as simple as that. You know, um, and yet at the same time, I'll tell you, it's difficult. It's challenging. It's the most challenging thing I do is to, to be willing to just sit in the presence of God, to allow it to have its way with me. It's like, you know, when they say, drink lots of water, it's really good for you. Boy, that glass of water for me is like a 1,000 pounds to remember to drink a, just a simple glass of water, yet I'm so resistant to it. It's the same thing with just turning within. Now, you can call that meditation if you want to. I just call it just being, just sitting, just sitting in the presence and allowing it to have its way. Last quote by Rumi says, Oh, you straying heart, just come. Oh, you aching liver, just come. If the path to the gate is closed, we'll take the way by the wall, but come. And that's what I'm saying. Just do it. Just do it. Now, there's a couple ways you can do this. You can do it like me. You can go to jail. I had to be stripped off of every of sex, drugs, rock and roll, TV, uh, Facebooking, texting, phones, food, you know, the whole bit, and be locked in a little cell in order for me to get to just come. Or we could just do it freely. Yeah. You choose however way you want to do it. That's all I'm saying. So I'm going to wrap it up here and just simply say, uh, as Rumi says, that sometimes you hear a voice through the door calling you. This turning towards what you deeply love saves you. So I invite us all to just turn towards what we deeply love, God, ourselves, the divine, and just come. Just come. That's all you got to do. Let's do come right now. Let's just turn within to the place where our divine is. I do so with great intention, with purpose. I place my attention upon the divine within, this this being that I call God. And when I place my attention there, it is there that I find perfect love, perfect peace and poise. I, I find grace. I find joy. I find peace. 
I find all the sourcing and sustenance that I seek. And the good news is, is that I am one with all of it. Everything that God contains and everything that God expands into, I am one with. There is not a grain of sand that separates me. Neither heights, nor depths, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come ever, ever, ever separate me from the wonderful love that is God. And as this is true for me, I know that it is true for everyone in this room. I know that it is true for all of life, that we are one with with God and the fullness thereof. And so it is from that place, that divine, perfect place, complete place of oneness with God that I live and have my being. That we live and have our beings. It is from that place through which grace reveals itself as each other. It is that place through which love presences and transforms uh, what what we perceive as broken. It's that place that love transforms what we perceive as needing to be fixed. And so I call forth for each of us, for myself and for each of us here, a complete and utter surrender into this life called love and allow it to have its way. I open myself up to God right here, right now, in this moment, knowing that it is present, it is absolutely present here at all times, and that love is available right here, right now, that peace is available right here, right now, if I just place my attention upon it. So I call forth in each of us uh, uh, the ability, the, the willingness to place our attention upon God upon the joy that is here, upon the peace that is right here, right now, upon the love that is right here, right now. So I just pause for a moment to allow this truth to just have its way. forth a yes in everyone here, a yes to God, an intentional, purposeful, personal yes to the divine. I'm so grateful for this. I'm grateful for that, for the shift that is already occurring. 
So grateful for the fulfillment of this prayer, and I just simply release it into the law that just says, yes, as we say yes, so be it. And so it is. Thank you.